pack this episode 11. This will probably be the last time you guys hear us before 2021. So it's that, it's that special one right here. It's a hell of a 2022 on top of that. New Year's oh. edition, huh? Yeah, we ain't, we ain't going to start it on that note because you start reflecting on 2020 right now. And that, that'll that take you to a whole nother space. <laughs> <clears throat> you guys hear me, my voice may be a little different today, but um, this is a big week for us. This was a big week for us heading into this. Before we had our, our break, we had a, a big winter camp. Big winter camp. Um, in the last couple episodes, you heard me with a little raspy voice. And I've been screaming at kids and I've been screaming at coach because I've been getting W's. He's been cheating me out of stuff, but the camp was, was great. Kids are amazing, man. And, and for it to be our first one, we cannot wait until the next one. But, you know, let's just check in on the regular. Like, OG, how you doing, man? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good other than the fact that you're assassinating my character over there. How am I cheating you? Or how am I attempting to cheat? Let's let's clear this up. First of all, whenever somebody starts something off with assassinating my character, you know they're full of it. Like, why do you even have to use those words? Why that combination of words come out? Because that's how I feel right now. (laughs) And, 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 And like when you say certain things like that, that goes right to my heart. So I, look at you, I look at you as, as family, and you want to talk about me like that in, in front of all the masses? I hope your boys And then Ethan is sitting here co-signing that, and I don't appreciate that either. Charmin. Y'all up in my crib right now. Charmin. I hope your boys hear this. All of them from Coppin, all of them that you played in Argentina with, at Germany with, all of them. I hope they hear. You hear this? This is Jules the jeweler for you guys. This is your J.K., and I know they know. I know they probably listening to it like, dang, the young boy got to handle that right now. Listen, anybody that knows me right now is saying, if JK speaking on this, it's something serious. <laughs> that somebody somewhere in his close proximity is saying something that is not factual. So he's just stepping up to the plate and addressing it. Man, and all man. I'm saying to you is yes. Let me, I'll be the first to admit it. If you're a hooper, you have good days, you have bad days. Sometimes you have good weeks, you have bad weeks. I've been having a string of bad weeks in terms of our bump, but it ain't on me. I've been doing my thing, and I hate to say this because it's a team sport, but we all know, Amir, <clears throat> you know, certain people you put your money on, they just don't come ready to play. Man. And so, and Coach Ryan has been doing his thing. I, I never take away credit when credit is his due. But don't, I never try to cheat you. I, I win, I lose fair and square. You know, I, I purposely didn't bring this up before, but you know, we're going to head into the new year on a new slate. You know, you're going to have a new chance. You have new opportunities. You know what I'm saying? You're going to come back in, recharge, ready to go. So I'm going to let you have that, you know. But um, but how you feeling other, other than that, you know? I'm good, man. You know, you talked about we got our winter break camp, all sports camp, and, you know, the kids are coming each day. They're having a great time. We're having a good time. And it's, it's been a success. It's our first camp ever here in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Right, right, right. And by the time you guys hear this one right here, it'll be a, a week or so after the camp. But we know we're going to talk about this a lot, like, 
camp was great. You guys will see footage, and there'll be another one coming again after that. But um, <clears throat> welcome to Bridging the Gap podcast. All right, this is episode eleven, part of the holiday pack. Um, I'm your your host Ryan Yates with my co-host, my OG Julian King, and we have our young contributor Ethan. You know, who just finished his he finishes uh his college pretty much. Everything's a finito. And now me, I'm coming up on the anniversary. It's almost exactly a year and some change, maybe two years since I've been done with school. And, you know, I did the grad school route. So I, I understand, you know, what type of celebration is in line for our guy right now. So I'll say congrats, but i also say, man, we had a long way to go. <laughs> I, be- <laughs> I believe in you, champ. I believe in you, though. Hey, congrats, E, man. Congrats, man. You've been through a lot. It's a major accomplishment. You know, what you going to do to celebrate? Kenny, you can't hear him, Coach. We're not giving him a mic. He don't get a mic. Oh, right, right. He, right. he, yeah, he no. hasn't moved. He, has, no. he doesn't deserve a mic yet. No, he okay. might not ever get a mic, though. Okay. <laughs> we don't okay. know what's, what's going to happen. Okay. He might start sweating. Okay. You know, you never know. You know, he said he goes to the desert because you be screaming, to, screaming at him too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give you a word of advice. This is how you celebrate, especially Uh-oh. a major accomplishment like that. Uh-oh. Don't do anything outlandish. You get a couple of good friends. You guys go out, get a good meal, have a you know really nice dinner, one or two drinks, responsibly everybody out there. Take a and Korean. Then, and then you guys get a chance to sit down and just talk about your experiences together and what you guys are going to do next in life, man. That's it. That's, that's mm-hmm. how you celebrate. Coach, you going to have a New Year's resolution? Yeah, my New Year's resolution is... <laughs> One I've been working on for about the past 20 years. I will, from this day on, as I have gone into the second stages of my life, uh-huh. I am here to say I will try my best to stay consistent in watching my language. You, hear, you heard it from me right now. Going into 2021, I will curb the language that I use. No comment. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. No comment. That's it, man. You one of those? How you had the same New Year's resolution for 20 years? Hey, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> all right. What else you got? That's the only one you're going to have? With That's you? it, man. I'm That's focusing it. on one. I got to, I gotta, hey, listen, one uh, thing at a time. Sir, everything else solid. He said he going to work on his language, man. That ain't changing. That ain't, that ain't changing. It is what it is. It's funny. I don't have any, man. I feel like I don't have any. I be I always do the same thing. Like I'm always progressively working on something all the time. You know it. I I talk your head off every day about some stuff that I'm trying to do, work through. And you know, you know, I think coach always gets on me because I say things like the universe and all these other things. And he was like, Man, this kid over here is going crazy. I don't believe in like you know, Aquarius, Pisces, signs and all that. I don't care about none of that other stuff. But, you know, I get a little spiritual. A lot. <laughs> a lot. I believe it, though. I believe it in myself. It's one thing to believe in yourself. It's one thing to believe in some things that people have told you to be true over the years. And you get a chance to research things on your own, experience things on your own, and realize that sometimes people are just telling you things to make you feel good in the moment. 
Yeah, they do. That's for sure. That's why I do my own research and do my own thing. So that is one thing that, you know, my OGs, I always appreciate the fact that they reiterate that. Shout out to Unc, shout out to Mom, shout out to Aunt Lisa, shout out to Coach King. Always made sure, look, think for yourself. Nobody else going to do it. But uh, shout out to everybody else out there that does have New Year resolutions. We hope you stick to them. We hope those are transformative. You know, we hope they, they make some type of positive change in your life. You know, work on them all the time, though. Well, what did you used to tell your kids? Because you used to teach and all that other stuff. <laughs> what was that? Matter of fact, what was that conversation like in the locker room that weekend before, like Christmas in college, in high school, you get like a whole week off, like Christmas and stuff, depending on where you're at. And then in the pros, when you're coaching, you know, you got to give them that that practice off. That practice after New Year's Day got to be off for sure. What's right. that What's that conversation like? That conversation is, a, uh, of course, it's on a more mature level. But depending on the type of team that you have and the type of coach you are, more real level. And for me and the, the situations I was in, you know, I'm a real direct person. I'm not going to beat around the bush and... And I used to, you know, the number one thing is don't get arrested. You know, go out, have your fun. You're in a foreign territory. You know, as, as many people that cheer for you, there's a lot of people that resent you being here. They're jealous of you. And they're mm-hmm. looking for any opportunity to, to uh, catch you in an uh, uncomfortable situation. And, you know, just make sure you watch yourself. Have as much fun as you can responsibly. Mm-hmm. And remember that it's not just yourself, your team, but your career, your livelihood. Right. And, and it's, right. it's more, you know, there's, there's more jeopardy here. You, you speak on the um, interesting thing that you talked about, jealousy. Right. One thing I, I, um, I've noticed here, um, when whenever somebody gives you a compliment, you or they say, mashallah, you know, just to make sure that regardless of whatever their intentions are, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't get to you. But, like, how do you, when you talk about how do you navigate that from your generation, how you guys did things? Because the way you guys <laughs> deal with, um, you know, emotional things or the way you guys deal with interactions with people that are negative and just different because of the way times were and all those things. But how did you navigate those waters? Well, you know, our, our time was a little, how can I say, more rigid. Mm-hmm. You, know, you didn't have a you didn't have an opportunity to, how can I say, let the tears flow or show any signs of uh, emotion or or weakness, so to speak, as some people would view it. And so there were a, there was a little more uh, influence in terms of people trying to be more macho. Mm-hmm. Just be, this just a societal issue that we had, and not to say that it was right, not to say that it was wrong, um, because that is my my generation. Yeah. But you know, I I will appreciate the that guys now show their sensitive side a little bit more. I do appreciate that mm-hmm. sometimes a little too much, <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's just the one mm-hmm. thing I've always been. I've always been myself. Yeah. And I can't speak on, and I don't want to to try to even influence anybody else to, to be the way I was, just be yourself yeah. and just let it go. Yeah. How, how have you noticed that though, to where, 
you talking about things being a bit more emotional. And you, you know, just plainly simple, like you're allowed to be more human. Right. right? Like how, because how did you progress to that space? Or were you already in that space to where you knew you could show your emotions and not have an issue? Or did you have to like work through and grow through some things to where anger take over sometimes when you could have just been able to say, man, I'm hurting right now, you know? Like anything, you have to grow into it. Yeah. You know, with years, I'm not going to say that I was ready to go at age 25 or 26, whatever, for adulthood. A lot of things I had to grow into, and I didn't get to a certain point until I was maybe in my mid to late 30s. Yeah. Where I understood that it's okay for a very macho, strong, masculine, masculine physical male to cry mm -hmm. or show emotion or show vulnerability and, and realizing that that's all a part of the humanistic side of, of who you are. And it just shows that you care about certain things. Yeah. If you care about something a lot, you're going to be emotional about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, emotions make you human. Like yeah. if you don't, Coach and I both have interesting backgrounds, right? Where we worked in um, mental hospitals, mental health hospitals or mental health arenas to where we worked with kids that, um, for me, they were dual diagnosed. So they had an IQ below 75 and then they might have had a behavior disorder and schizophrenia or wherever else. And you notice that behind their actions, they didn't have any emotion related to it, which is why they had to be separated from society. A lot of those things were trauma-based and all those other different type of things. But for me, seeing that stuff let me know that because I feel what I'm feeling, it's okay, but I got to embrace that stuff, you know? You know, those experiences were great. Of course, they were very challenging at times. Extreme. But those are experiences that the majority of people around the world don't get a chance mm -hmm. to, to see, feel, hear, and be around. And they have no idea. And so we look at those individuals that you're talking about in a different light. And we kind of condemn them. Yeah, It's not always their fault. And we have to sometimes check ourselves and be more understanding. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that comes with time, mm -hmm. experience, and, and age. Yeah. And, you know, and, and some of the things you talk about that I immediately went back to situations I've been in and, you know, my heart goes out to some of those people that I've worked with mm -hmm. and, and realize that I'm blessed. Yeah. And, and have to take it day by day and say, you know what? No matter what has come my way the day before, the next day won't be as bad as someone else's. All right. And and that type of, um, you know, those type of experiences, because I don't think things happen by chance, you know, not, not all the time. So, like, those type of experiences to put us in this place now to where we can deal with the the nuances of being in a completely different country and dealing with kids that are completely different who need a different type of support and we can give them that type of support and we fight through those tough days that they have knowing that they're just kids, you know, like they're just kids. They need you still like your one reaction to them when they're having a bad day might be something they remember the rest of their life. You Ab know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No matter what, no matter what this kid's um, financial background, 
is or their family structure at home or the, the country they're living in, whatever, kids are kids. Mm -hmm. They need adult guidance at some point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some are a little more mature than others, but, you know, the, the one thing you, you would like to do is be the same way to each kid as best as possible and, and allow them to be kids and know that, hey, we're all the same. Yeah, and and that's one of those things that um you know it's the little things, right? Whether we make a, a million dollars from doing this, or you know we just make two thousand dollars from doing this thing, we we know that every day that we talk to one of these kids, that it's important for us to be a positive adult influence. Hold in up, life. Slam. Hold up, Slam. You, you're right. We need yeah. to do this, and this is something we do naturally. But we need to make a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm deep in the game. Yeah. And well, I, need, I need to see some lottery tickets come through. I mean, I, I got a plan if you're ready to follow, you know, follow my half. I follow your half. And we get together. We'll make it work, you know. But regardless of what's shaking, what don't shake, we know the foundation going to still be the same. Well, it's got to I mean, shake. Your half is younger <laughs> than my half. We need My half needs to get it soon. We're going to make something shake. We're going to make something shake. But, but still, like I said, you know, regardless um, – I know coach because I've seen coach and I've seen coach have to be in some some different situations in just my young age. But I know that those those kids are always going to have a positive influence in their life, you know, at any point. And I think like when we talk about community, because that's what basketball has always been for us is about being a community. Right. Because every everybody can't become a professional athlete. Everybody can't be, you know, the the headline player. But because when you play basketball, when you leave that thing, the little things should matter to you from now on because you understand the importance of it, right, and how it can change your life, right? Anything that you do, whether it's, it doesn't have to be just basketball, but whatever yeah. sports you, you fall in love with and you dedicate your free time to is something that is going to hone your skills for life. People don't understand this, that... The most successful people in life, nine times out of 10, were involved in athletics at some point in time. And as you can see, when they reach a certain status in terms of business or whatever it is that they're successful at, it always comes back to athletics, whether they can participate in it in terms of being a player, owner, manager. They just want to be involved in athletics because there's so many things involved that help round you into a better person. Absolutely. And, you know, right, right now I'm like in the, in the midst of that, uh, that project, right. To where, you know, before people see the Tesla, you know, before they see the final product of the Tesla, they had to go through those, you know, beginning stages of, you know, testing the project, the, the pilot. And I feel it in my bones that I'm in the, in the beginning stages of something, you know, that I've been thinking of, building and you've been helping me manifest and put together and God willing, inshallah, that it happens. We'll get to a space where we can talk about that more because that's that's one of the biggest things about why we do what we do. Basketball, the little things, the things that you learn, it puts you in a whole different space, right? It's like you tell a guy, you tell people all the time that, you know, Coach Ryan has a lot going on. Coach Ryan has a lot of other things pushing. 
Like people ask me, could you have played pro or could you have done some of those other different things? And I'll say, I, I had a chance to do that. Didn't want to make that commitment. Didn't want to make it because my OGs gave me a different level of guidance and pushed me towards what my gifts are. So now I'm pushing to see, you know, make those things come to fruition so people can see it. So we can talk about the fact that, yeah. you know, basketball takes you different lanes and it takes you different places. But if you can adjust in the game, you can adjust in life. Because that game is basketball is the greatest metaphor for life. Right. You, you, you know, you had a chance to play professionally. And you had a chance to further your education to, in order to get an advanced degree that some people only dream of. Mm-hmm. Which is, you look at the flip side of it, being a professional athlete, people dream about that every day. So you had an opportunity to pick between the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And you, you chose one route that, based on the, the facts that Coach Roland, myself, your mom, and others talked to you about. And personally, I think you made the right decision because I know you. You are a basketball lifer. Mm-hmm. If you weren't a basketball lifer, you wouldn't be in the business of basketball right now. Mm-hmm. And the time, the dedication, the sacrifice needed in order to be a professional basketball player would have been unrewarding for what you would put into it, mm-hmm. I think. Because yeah. you had already sacrificed so much mm-hmm. in terms of going through college, in addition to that prep school, mm-hmm. dealing with health issues, whatever. You had already you'd already given so much back to the game. Mm-hmm. Now it's time for the game to give something back to you, yeah. because the game knows that as long as there's life in your body, you're going to give back to the game and give back to the kids. So it, it it worked out for the best. So don't ever feel like there's any regrets. No, absolutely. And I'll say this to those young people that are listening. Basketball is the reason why I had the opportunity to make a decision between grad school and pro. Right. Like in a grad school, thankful for my university was paid for from them. Right. And I was there and I was carrying many different roles on campus. And that was because of the presence I had as a basketball player, because that comes with a different level of expectation as a leader in the community. Right. So, again, different life lessons is all about the perspective. And it's the little things that you got to take into consideration. Right. But what gets you there? Right, will get you to those spaces as a young guy, right? Because you don't. We talk about bridging the gap. I don't get to where I am mentally unless I listen to my OGs, unless I listen to my mom. You know, you don't listen to your mom like you should all the time, right? Well, you know, you know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. It's, you hear somebody's voice every day, twenty four seven. You tend to block it out sometimes. Not that you don't care. It's just a natural instinct to to become numb to it because you hear it so often. But the same thing that that person is telling you every day, you can hear it from someone new and and think that it's from the Holy Grail. And you start to take everything that they say and you live by it. And then you're and then the person that's been telling you stuff every day is looking like, wow. I've been telling you stuff for three years and you never listen. Like somebody coming into your life, all of a sudden, now you want to listen. But 
that's typical for everybody. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, like I said, I always give my mom credit for this, for, for knowing that I won't go listen sometimes and, and point me to the right directions that people can listen to. All right. And so, like I say, you know, a, a presence, right? It's something you need in your life outside of um, just your family at times. Because again, you know, community is important. Like, it, like people always say it takes a village to raise a kid. And I think that's one of the reasons why, because that same voice you hear for your whole life, it gets tired and you get tired and hear it. You just, you just need a new spice. Right. So sometimes you need, you know, we, we hear it all the time. Parents would say, look, so-and-so get it, was, wasn't listening to this, this week, had some problems in school. Can you, can you just, you know, have a little extra to say to them today? And they listen, and then they come back the next week and like, well, let's get into it. But that's when I get into the idea of like um, the presence of a coach, right? And we take the presence of a coach into several different categories, right? Like you talk about the presence of a coach in practice, the presence of a coach on the sidelines in the gym, and then you talk about the presence of a coach just in the lives of their players. Right, like, can you speak to that? You know, there's so many different levels to being a coach. And it, it all starts with, well, they, they're all intertwined, whether it be middle school, high school, college, or professional. You know, we've kind of touched on this before. If you're a coach, no matter how good you are with the X's and O's, no matter how much experience you have, if you're not willing and able to connect with each of your players on some type of level outside of basketball, you limit the success you will have on the court with basketball. You have to be willing to, I hate to say it, sacrifice a little bit of your family life yeah. in order to help someone else have an opportunity to have a successful life beyond your team because what you say to a, to a player a lot of times it can fall upon deaf ears if you're not sincere and consistent with it but we know that if you are willing to go the extra mile and you honestly give 110 percent to your players they know yeah that's one thing about players they know who's full of it who's not whether you're the best coach at um, personnel management, X's and O's, certain game situations, they know who they can trust. And mm -hmm. if your players can't trust you, they can't rely on you, in the clutch, it's not going to be successful. Yeah, and that's on and off the court, right? But then you, when you talk about that, and then you talk about, because I hear you say it, and I, and I watch people in the gym, but having a presence on the court or in practice, like a physical presence. Sometimes people don't talk about that, but right. a physical presence is important too, right? Of course. And, and this is not to negate anybody that has been a coach and been very successful, because there's been a lot of them that may not have the physical presence that we assume a basketball coach would have. Because when you think, when you think of a physical presence, especially if you're African-American being in the United States, the first thing 
first person you think of is Big John. Big John Thompson. John Thompson, 6'10", with a towel over his shoulder, looking at you with a scowl on his face, mm-hmm. and probably saying some choice words to you right. during right. a game for something that you may have made a mistake in, maybe not. Yeah, rest in peace, Big John. Yep, RIP. But all coaches aren't like that. I played for John Chaney. One of the best coaches of all time, Hall of Famer. He was nowhere near 6'10. Mm-hmm. But his presence was 6'10. Right. When right. you walk into the facility. What hold on, what does that mean though? Because this we on the, on this side of the world, they call it the eastern side of the world. They hear that. What does it mean for presence to be His 6'10? presence meaning that no matter where he was. He could captivate an audience, mm-hmm. whether it be other coaches, parents, players. He could always get your attention and keep you motivated and keep you engaged for a lengthy period of time. And listening to him, watching him demonstrate certain things, you could just get the sense that he's someone who has dedicated his life to the game of basketball, mm-hmm. to the to the progression of young men into adulthood. And you can just feel it in the room. You can feel it, you can hear it in his voice. And you just know that this is someone that can guide you in the right direction. And And that's just not him. You know, we talked about Big John. Big John had the physical presence that you could see, but he also had the other characteristics that a John Chaney had. Yeah. And they were all, you think about it, they were all in that same era, yeah. cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Just one happened to be a different position, mm-hmm. a little taller, mm-hmm. one was a little shorter. They, one was a guard, one was a big man. So if you were an African-American growing up in that era like I was, we kind of had the best of both worlds from leadership perspective in yeah. terms of game of basketball. Well, and Sometimes when I think about presence, because when you talk about those shorter guys, right? Because sometimes you 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 a shorter guy, and you're talking to a bunch of six five, six six, six seven guys. <laughs> we gotta get together. I think of a big voice, right? Like a Tom Izzo, right? You know, like I think like like talking about current day, like a Buzz Williams, and, right? And those type of guys who their voice is is bigger than their height, and then you can feel that energy coming out of their voice, and then they matching that every day. But you know. I think um, I've I've been able to watch a lot of those from the sidelines. I've been able to meet Big John one time, two, two times, and like you said, that presence is felt right regardless of what's going on, right? And that's special to be around. Knowing that those guys were legendary coaches is one thing, and you know they're walking into the building, and you, if you're a hooper, you ultimately give them their respect. But as soon as they open their mouth and get a chance to speak to you, you realize that they can talk to you outside of basketball about ordinary things. Mm. And that's what makes them even mm. more special. That's that's big, though, because I was just about to ask you, like, you've been around Chaney, and we'll talk about more of those legendary coaches soon, but that's a, that's a guy that's that's legendary for many, many reasons. But 
what makes that coach have that type of presence, right? And you know, because and you have you have a strong presence of your own. Coach Thomas has one. You know, a lot of coaches I've been around have, have strong presences there. But from what you know, what what makes you have that type of energy as you walk? One, because you you're not just delegated to one thing, one avenue. You know, you're a legendary coach, and you approach basketball a certain way. That means you're probably aggressive. Mm-hmm in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That probably means you're aggressive in a positive manner to every aspect in life. And so if you approach every aspect of life the way you approach basketball, and you've been, a, you've been around the game of basketball for 20, 30 years, well, you can imagine how you approach life. So if, you, if, if, if you're passionate about everything you do in life, that's going to transcend who you are into the people that you're leading. Yeah, that and that's interesting, too, because when I think about coaching, right, I think that's one of the the biggest things, too. Like, I I watch how people, how players react to their coaches, right, if a coach is is getting on them and a coach is just, and a kid is just staring them in the eyes, responding, yes, let's go, let's go. You can see in the coach's eye, they're pissed off and there's a lot of (laughs) anger there, right? But the coach is just... The kids are still locked in. I'm like, man, that's a that's a kid that'll run through a wall for that guy, right? And that's just a different energy. Like when you feel that as a player, that type of trust, like you, you want to feel that trust in any relationship, right? Right. And, and how do you how do you feel that trust? How do you build that? Because that player has been with that coach over a certain period of time. And they've seen the consistency in it. Mm, it's not a coach who is going to come through Monday through Wednesday and be a certain way and be soft-spoken, real articulate, and, and be in one certain monotone. But then all of a sudden, you make a mistake. When the lights are on during a game, that coach just blows up. So that player is thinking like, well, dang, you're changing up on me now. Mm-hmm. So you have to show some consistency. And so either you're going to be hard on your players all the time and push them. And so those players understand that, you know, that's just the way coach is. He only, he's only trying to bring out the best in us. Mm-hmm. And then you understand that, you know what? That coach who's on my butt all the time and trying to bring out the best in us only once was in my best interest. Mm-hmm. And I've been around that coach and we've talked about other things. We've discussed other things. And that coach has been there for me, for my team, and he's been the same way each time. Right. That just, I just thought presence is currency. Right, you talk about a consistency and and you having a strong presence and you having a kid that's been with you for two years. Right. Talk, and he's talking to another kid who just got there in two months and he's struggling and the kid's telling you, why, why, why you're not around? He's telling him, look, coach got you. It's just the way he is, but I promise you, he got you. That's a that's a form of currency, right? right. You can count on that. That's valuable. That's going to push you somewhere. So, you know, I, I appreciate that, especially, as you said, from those strong black figures that we had as coaches. But let's talk about those legendary coaches. We don't um, – it's a different era right now. And, you know, if we don't talk about some of those past – um, legends and those those moments in, in history for basketball that got us to where we are right now, they may be forgotten, right? 
you know, it's I'm an older guy, so I'm always going to get flack for trying to shed light on the legendary coaches that I looked up to. No, we're bridging the gap here, baby. That's well, what, I'm, that's what I'm we're not here saying for. on this platform. I'm just saying in for. general. But what a lot of people don't know, the, the younger generation don't realize that the multi-million dollar salaries that are made today were not made 15, 20 years ago from guys who dedicated their entire lives to basketball, to the growth of boys to young men into adulthood. And the amount of responsibility has lessened recently, but yet the money has gone up. And so some people forget about the legendary coaches who started all this. Like you said, we wouldn't be where we are today without the legendary coaches that we had in the past that not only would sacrifice family time from their spouses, from their kids, in order to run a class act program for less money. But those guys had multiple responsibilities, responsibilities that people wouldn't even believe today. There's no way that you can be a Division I college coach today and have to wash uniforms. Mm-hmm. That's something that some of the legendary coaches that are in the Hall of Fame today, some are still with us. The ones that aren't, aren't, may they rest in peace. We love you. But those guys had to go above and beyond to help basketball grow to where it is today. And I mentioned earlier about basketball being a culture, right? And when we think about what we're doing here, what you've done as you coached me, what I've ever been able to do if I ever decided, when I decided to help somebody else, I always did those extra things, right? Unconsciously, just because the coaches that were around me and the individuals that were around me did extra. I remember hearing about those that story with John Thompson when he went to make sure that, you know, AI was was coming to Georgetown and he was getting off of that sentence. Or when he went and, you know, this is a D.C. story, but when he went and talked to Rayful Edmond about staying away from Alonzo Mourning. Like, <laughs> I, remember, I remember hearing all those different type of stories and seeing things, seeing people having to drive hours and hours to pick people up. So when we do what we do now, when we talk about we have to build a basketball culture, it's always out of respect for what they did. Right. Right. It's always out of respect, whether we knew it or not, it was out of respect for what John Thompson did. Right. What, uh, what Cheney did. You know what I'm saying? What Anderson did, what Nolan Richardson Nolan did, Rich, yeah. what all of those guys did before us to make sure we can go here. We make sure that, look, if anybody comes across us, and these are lessons I've got from you and my uncle, they're going to understand that it's more than just basketball. It's so much more. Right. Everything with those guys, because it wasn't about the money, Mm -hmm. they took everything personally because it was about their time and sacrifice Mm -hmm. and their passion for the game. And that's something that I'm not saying all current coaches are this way, but we all know that the more money you make, the more business-like it is, and the more you become distanced from the actual essence of what it's supposed to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that there is a balance with that, right? Because I think when it gets to that space, there's some greed involved, 
Right. Some people don't understand those things, which is why I feel like we're in a great space here to where we can have that balance all together and make, you know, both sides of that coin work for us. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is about the relationships with the people. Right. Because all those guys are, are not legends because of how much money they make. <laughs> like their spirit lives on and they, their right. effect lives on right. because of what they did and how they touch people. Right. Yeah. In relation to what we're doing here, I want everybody to know we are definitely not here just for the money. Man, no, not at all. Not at all. Not if at that all. were the case, we wouldn't be on this podcast right now. Mm-hmm. We are here because we love the game of basketball. We want to help people enjoy the game of basketball, grow in the game of basketball, in addition to starting a business. And if we're not here for those reasons, then the business will ultimately fail. Yes. Whether it be year one or year five, mm-hmm. it will fail if you're here for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. And that's with everything. That's the whole point of us doing what we do, too, because we can talk to these kids differently. We have we have kids that are drummers, they're swimmers, they're, they're kids that want to build engines for cars. You know, they want to do a whole bunch of different things. They may not be world-class athletes, but like we say, that doesn't matter. All right. First of all, you're a kid, so we don't, you know, know what you're going to grow into. So, but the purpose is, you know, teaching you the lessons that we learn, so that you can push into whatever industry that you want to push into. And we certainly don't want to handcuff you to just basketball. Mm-hmm. If you have other interests, we want to tell you experience those interests as well, mm-hmm. because ultimately you will decide later on at your own pace what is most important to you. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to do is we just want to make sure we instill a work ethic, a value system, improve your skills, and you have some fun. That's it. And some accountability. There's no point in doing anything. Yeah, and some accountability in there too. But when we talk about those things you just listed all, it's everything that we've got from those legendary coaches. Right. Right. But we've talked about those legendary coaches, but let's name them. And I'll let you do the naming because I'm still the young guy over here. You know them. You're not that well, young. Yeah, yeah. I know a few, but, you know, you got the experience, you know. Well, as a kid growing up, you know, one of the best conferences in, in college basketball was the Big East, of course. Yes. yes. And, you know, you first you, we talked about John Thompson because that's Georgetown. That's, yeah. that's right in the area in which we lived. Where you were born in D.C. Mm-hmm. I happened to be a transplant there. And so – you know, we talk about him. We talk about Roly Massimino at Villanova. Mm. We talk about Louis Conseca at St. John's. You know, P.J. Carlismo at St. Uh, I mean, um, at Seton Hall. And Jim Calhoun at Connecticut. At Bayheim. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry, Bayheim. No disrespect. Mm. Jim Bayheim, who's still coaching, by the way, yes. at Syracuse. Yeah. Those were long-tenured coaches in the Big East that – had to face each other on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. And there were some moments where those guys had some physical altercations, but they still respected each other and wanted to do what's best for the kids and the league. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the Big East became one of the best leagues in the country. And those guys had been there for many, many years. But things like that just don't happen as often today. 
because of the money involved. Mm. Well, even, and there's some more names to add to that list. And I want to say this one in particular because I, my uncle made sure he told me, like, this is one of those guys. Leonard Hamilton. Oh, still coaching, though. Still coaching. Still coaching. He may be in the 70s or something like that, but Leonard Hamilton is one of those guys that he holds it down for the team. And I know Al Skinner used to be at the Boston College. Right, and we, Shout out to Al Skinner. Boston College has never been the same. Never. Not even close, right? And then you got guys in other conferences like Nolan Richardson. Right. SEC. Transformative. Like right. the way he had Arkansas going, that that level of play. People talk about um, the little run that Shocker had at VCU with Havoc. Right. Had nothing on what Arkansas was running, right? Right. You know, Jerry Tarkanian at UNLV. Mm, yeah, the towel over the shoulder, right? Yes. Yeah. Lute Olsen at Arizona. We yes. talked about John Chaney at Temple. Peace. I mean, there's so many great college coaches that were at one or two universities for a long period of time because of the way they went about the game. Mm-hmm. But money wasn't as much as a factor then. Yeah, for but these guys. let's let's really make that statement because you know when you talk about tenure and coaches, and you talk about those legendary coaches, those coaches were synonymous with those universities. When I thought John Thompson, I thought Georgetown. Right. When I thought Syracuse, I was thinking Jim Beheim. Right. Calhoun, UConn, Mike Anderson, Arkansas, right. Lulosan, Arizona, all of those guys, it was kind of like Coach K now. Right. Calipari now, right? Whenever you think about those school, those schools, sometimes it's the coaches that have their allure to drag them in there. Right. It's like, this is why I'm coming. But right now, besides Calipari and, and Coach K, and Roy Williams, of course, I'm a UNC guy, so I got to show out to the love there. But there are many coaches that really have that long-standing, you know, place where they are to where they can be that that type of legendary right. coach. We, you know, don't, we don't want to forget Tom Izzo from Michigan State. Absolutely, sorry, you know, Tom Izzo. We don't want to yeah. forget Jay Wright at Villanova. By Big the time. way, everybody in the Philadelphia area, for all of you guys that were complaining about Jay Wright before the championship mm-hmm. about he couldn't get it done. He had a plan, everybody, just so you guys know. And winning a championship is not that easy. But he came through, finally, and he won two. So leave him alone, let him do his thing, and enjoy your program. Listen, I'm, I'm a little salty you brought that up. Because <laughs> I, am, I am a UNC guy. And, and I am from the DMV, so... You know, it was conflicting feelings there with the way Chris Jenkins ended us. <laughs> that was a that was a tough time. But like you said, Jay Wright is a staple. Right. Yeah, he is a staple. But you talk about those longstanding coaches, it's like five of them. Right. <laughs> it's right. like five of them. Yeah. This you know, across the United States, you know, who's the coach of Gonzaga? Mark Few. Yes. He's one. That's a it's, special situation too. It is a special That's situation. That's very special. Sure. That's a small, small school. You know, it, Greg McDermott was at Wichita State, but now yeah. we see that certain things have come to light. So now he's he may not be thrust into mm-hmm. that category of long-tenured coaches. But there's so much involved with someone being at one university for a long pe- period of time because you got to play by the rules. Mm. Bobby you, Knight didn't play by the rules. 
<laughs> that was a long. That was a time long, long, long ago. Before I, I could, I could, we couldn't talk about legendary coaches, and I couldn't find a way to throw Bobby Knight in. There. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Sure. Bob Huggins is still coaching. Think about that. Yeah. Bob. But we all know. <laughs> we all know Bob comes Bob, to the game. Bob does his thing. He does his thing. That's yeah, all I'm gonna say. Yeah, Bob, so, West yeah. Virginia is a perfect place. Yeah. It, <laughs> Be yourself. Be, be yourself, Huggy. Be, be yourself, man. You know, so, you know, with, with the legendary coaches of the past, after some of the current guys, Bill Self, Coach K, and those guys, you know, retire, we may not, we may be heading into an era where a major Division I college coach may not be in one spot more than five, six years. It's, it's going to look like the NBA, right? Correct. Like, and when I also, we also got to shout out Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino, he's got nine lives. Ooh-hoo. He's got nine lives. <laughs> Rick Pitino is that guy. But when I, when I do think about that, I, that lets me know, that kind of hints to me where college is going to go, college basketball is going to go. Because that's, that, that time in those lives, basketball as a business, we'll talk about that stuff. You know, as as we move forward, but like you said, the money is different now. So basketball as a business kind of has people saying, "All right, I'm gonna go to these mid major schools. I'm gonna win here, and I know me winning here, it'll have some mid, some high power five schools knocking on my door, so I can get that ten million, twelve million dollar payday, right? So where that loses the essence of those things, because you tell me, was Georgetown a powerhouse before Johnson? Not, got there. not even close. <laughs> like, were any of those schools powerhouses before somebody got there? Not even but close. But that consistency did it different, right? The consistency, the work ethic, and the time. The mm. expectations were different. If you're allowed to implement your philosophy and you have time to do it, then, of course, it's going to get to a point where if you're successful, you're synonymous with the university. Right. And that's what we had. Now... With the the more money, which the coaches that put in the time, they deserve it. But the expectations are unrealistic for a lot of schools. Yeah. That's why you see a lot of turnover in certain schools, and mm-hmm. and you're, and people wonder why why can't this school win? Well, if you have a new coach every four or five years, it's going to be impossible. That's to win. important. And and again, when you pay somebody that much money, then you got an expectation for something to go quick, right? Yep. Right. Yeah. And then you know those all th- those things are always. They always lead to more problems. You pay you pay my coach twelve, fifteen million dollars a year, and he's doing all this he can to get me. Is he the value piece or is it me as the player? And then you don't give me a piece of that pie, not even a little bit, right? right? So like then it just trickles down into all that. But you know who I thought was gonna be uh one of those, you know, coaches that get into the names, get into the mix of Izzo and Coach K? Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens and Butler. With the way he had Butler moving, I was like, man, I was like, I remember I was I was watching that Duke Butler championship game with Gordon Hayward and them. I was like, man, coach, you think I can play there? <laughs> right? Like this is the Brad Stevens things, but he ended up leaving. So now it's like, hmm. Well, let me say this. Brad Stevens is a guy, he probably would not have left Butler or left college basketball if there wasn't a great great opportunity presented to him. You know, Danny Ainge is not calling you unless this is something really, really sweet. Right. And so 
he knew that Brad Stevens was a young up and coming coach that could be, you know, a Boston Celtics fixture for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure when he called, he made Coach Stevens a offer he couldn't refuse. refuse. (laughs) I mean, just, there's just no way because we've seen a lot of college coaches go to the pros and have limited success. Man, when people tell me Kyler Perry went to the pros, I'm like, you sure? He actually did okay. Yeah, it he happened so okay. quick, though. It was quick. And Patino. It was quick. Now, Patino, it was a different story. <laughs> you know, you, you, it, he learned the hard way that you can't go to the NBA 82-game season, 48-minute games with professional athletes, and you want to pick up 94 feet. That's not happening. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and that's another thing, too, right? But we haven't even talked about that, about those long-standing coaches. And what does keep them there is a system, right? Right. Their system. Yeah. You don't become synonymous with the school and being successful if you don't have your system in place. Mm -hmm. Meaning that any player that walks through those doors, they have to be willing to adapt to your system. Mm -hmm. They come in there for that, right? Correct. Your system is what got you to where you are, so you believe in it. You're passionate about it, and you know it. You only teach what you know. And for, and for those that don't understand, because you know, when we talk about system, for, for many people, that's like what we're talking about. We're talking about computers, what we're talking about. So for the, for the, in layman terms, for, the, for those who aren't, um, you know, a, they don't understand the basketball lingo, lingo to that extent, when you say a coach has his system, what exactly does that look like? Let's say John. Let's say John Thompson. You know, what does that system look like for him during his reign? You know, John Thompson was up in your face defense. He always loved to have a big man. You know, before Iverson, if you think about it, he was big man dominated. It was that Matumbo, Ewing, Morning. Correct. Three Hall of Famers. Three, <laughs> three Hall of Famers. And, and many more guys after them that weren't Hall of Famers, but were professional players. They were successful college players. Iverson kind of changed the way Big John coached because he saw something special in Iverson and knew that that was a moment in time where him being part of the Black Coaches Association, he stepped up and saved his life. Yeah. And I'm thankful for him for that because – I have many great memories of watching Allen Iverson play. Man. Mm. Iverson, man. We're going to save that. We're going to bookmark that. Okay? We're going to add that to the topic. Listen, come back. Because Iverson, he deserves a podcast of his what's own. This, we'll talk about that. What's the series we have where we talk about unsung heroes? Yeah. We, yeah that's that's AI coming. You, needs to you, be drop, on there. you dropping the jewels before it happened, man. Come man, come on, man. I didn't even present that yet. Oh, yeah, but, but yeah, yeah, for sure. AI my is. Bad, my AI bad. gets his. I got AI, excited. You see, how, yeah, you see how excited? That's what AI do to you, though. But when we talk about that, all right, and just for comparison purpose, you say, for John Thompson, kid coming out of school, if he's a big man, if it's AD right now, AD coming out of school in the 80s, 85, he's going to Georgetown because he know when he leaves Georgetown, he's going to be one of the best bigs ever, right? right. Going, he's going to be featured. He's going to leave there tough. He's going to be strong defensively. He's going to be ready to go, right? But on the flip side, Cheney, 
right? What does Cheney's system look like? What type of people come into his system and what makes his, his playing style attractive? Really good guard play. Mm-hmm. One, two, and three, small four, shooting guard, point guard, interchangeable, not turning the ball over, being efficient, being hard-nosed, being high IQ. That's why I had to get up out of there. I wasn't high <laughs> IQ at the time. <laughs> and, honesty, honesty. Coach said he's honest guy. And, and so John Chaney was – he wanted everybody to play the way he played, the way he was taught. And that's Where did he play at? Coach played – I can't remember the name of the school he played for, but he did play in the old um, – professionally, I can't remember the name, but he was a professional player with some of the greats back in the day. But, of course, you know, we all come to a certain point in our careers where we say we got to make a decision. Do I take care of my family? Do yeah. I can, can continue my pursuit of my dream? Mm-hmm. But once you have a family, it's no longer your dream. It's our dream. Oh, true. True. But, but going to Temple, which did develop big men, Donald Hodge, we talk about Mark Strickland, guys who did have an opportunity to play in the NBA. Um, oh, man. What's that man's name? Perry. Uh, Oh, my goodness. I can't remember his name. That's how old I am, guys. And so there were a lot of good players that came out of Temple that were not heralded as much coming out of high school. But by the time they left Temple, they were solid professional players just from the work that coach would put in with you. Tim Perry. My goodness. Tim, do not kill me next time you see me. My bad. It's been a a while. Man, when you talk about that... um... I immediately think about Aaron McKee, sixth man of the year, right? On that on that um, Philadelphia 76ers team that goes to the finals. You know, I'm a Laker guy, so I remember every bit of that. And I'm like, you know, when I hear those stories of, of how, first of all, how Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is a city, right? And Temple as a school, like, changes match that. That whole mantra, like, changes fit in with that. Right. So did Big John. He just fit in with the Chocolate City. Right. That was his thing. But like you said, when you go to there, that's a whole different system, right? You guys playing against each other, and then you go from Temple to Georgetown, and then you say Bayheim, right? When you step into a Bayheim system, you know, what does that look like? <laughs> you know, it's going to be 2-3 zone. Mm-hmm. You know, not when he first started, but – as he began to get a little more leeway in terms of just doing things his way, he decided that we're going to go to 2-3 zone and I'm going to have a whole bunch of length and athletes up front and we're going to close the space down. We're going to force you to shoot tough perimeter shots, shut you out from rebounding, and we're going to get it and go. Yeah, yeah, see, special. Like, all of those things are distinctive. But, but that leads me to think, like, What's, what's Coach K's thing? The number one thing, and I, I know I take a lot of flack for this because I love watching Duke play. And because Duke has won so much, much like Carolina, people tend to hate on them. But I like Coach K because he's always open to letting his players play. Mm-hmm. People think that they're, quote, unquote, America's college team, they're, they play a certain way. It's a little dirty sometimes. 
the system guys. But if you think about the players that have come through Duke under Coach K, he lets them play. I've seen them go down four or five stretches in a row, and they don't run one play. Yeah, they get the ball to the hot hand. You know, you know. For me, and um, it's interesting too. I don't, I don't like Duke. I'm a North Carolina guy. You're a North so Carolina know, guy, but but I respect them like immensely for sure. Um, but I always say like Duke doesn't make good pros. Well, like, and I, I, let me right. say, let me say this. For they have Shane Battier's, stop, Getty, stop. Whatever. This is a message yeah. for everybody listening. Yeah, it is not a college coach's job to make you a professional basketball player. It's a college coach's job to maximize your athletic potential and to make sure you graduate from college and have a degree. Because you can't be a professional all of your life. Is that what you're telling those kids that go to Kentucky? You should be. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that Calipari is. Because Calipari, when they, when they leave Calipari, I think Calipari got like 25 and then yes. it's like. That's 25, 25 yes. That's killers. Yes. At 25, he, I might be exaggerating tw- that number, but. but it, yes, he has a lot. Killers. He has a lot. Even back going back to UMass and Memphis. Yes. But. Different levels. What people don't talk about are the guys who didn't make it to the pros. So let's let's talk about them, and because we all know we can't talk about them because they don't see them. I'm just so that's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm just saying, but I'm just trying to I'm talking. <clears throat> I'm trying to educate those people who don't know college basketball. Yeah, everybody's not going to the pros. You may have the number one recruiting class. Everybody in that recruiting class is not going to the pros each and every time. I'm just talking about the ones that do get there. I'm saying, and just in comparison, if you see the the guys that left Duke and then the ones that left Kentucky, you know, those careers look a little different. Okay. But, but, but I, I say specifically Kyler Perry because under Kyler Perry, they get a different speech out of them. And I think that has, I think that does have something to do with, um, we're talking about, we're talking about system and style and the type of players that go to those different places. I got, I got something to do with that. But listen, if you think about it, Duke gets a different type of player than Kentucky most times. A Duke kid is going to be a kid a lot of times that... Oh, you, you, you want to give me the Jalen Rose? Milit- military kid, two-family, I mean, two-parent family type situation. A little more, how can I say it, a little more conservative sometimes. Give me the Jalen Rose. Yeah, I'm, I'm being <laughs> honest with you. Yeah, give me the Jalen Rose. So, a lot of players that come to Duke are really good high school players, but they're not projected to be pros sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this. For all the players that have gone to Kentucky in the past, I don't know, 10 years that Coach Calipari has been there, from day one, you knew that that kid could be a pro. It's a little different. Some of the guys that have gone to Duke that have gone to the pros probably shouldn't be in the pros but they've made careers out of it. Yeah. So what are you talking about here? Well, I, what I'm saying, I think when I think about system too, I still think about like what came out of that, right? Like it's a certain, like you say, it's a certain type of player that goes right. to Duke. It's a certain type of player that goes to UNC. It's a certain type of player that right. goes to, you know, I, Kentucky. Right. I'm saying and, the type of player besides and you, Kyrie and, and but, Jason but Taylor. But a lot of guys from Duke have overachieved. And so I, so I give you a lot of credit when you can get players to overachieve. 
mm-hmm. just based on your physical stature, your ability, your skill set, and things like that. And you you talk about Duke. There's a lot of guys that went to Duke. I don't even like you saying the name. I'm just that being much. honest. I, I, gotta, I gotta give Coach I got, K. I know. I, like I, I said, Coach K. Coach K is one of the greatest. I gotta give ever. him credit. Yeah, for sure. He's Absolutely. had less number one guys than say Calipari in that time, same time span. He was hating on Calipari for the one and done too. Man, they hate on everybody. Yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. when it affects you, hey, you yeah. hate on it. But. You can't knock their success. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, hey, Never that. You know, and there's a few things that maybe the average person doesn't know. Well, before you can get your jersey retired at Duke, everybody in your class has to graduate. Yeah. So there's a lot of accountability there that yeah. I respect. Yeah, I you do know, too. So I, you know, I got to give credit. They're both really great coaches in their own right. Exceptional. They, 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 they go that extra mile, which is why they have that long-standing, Correct. legendary coach thing. But like I said, we just talked about five different coaches, four different coaches that got completely different styles of approaching the game. But every kid that they've come across, or the time that they've been at their places. It's been long-standing. It's been transformative. It's been, it's been life-changing. So it's just we want to see some more of that, right? Like you know, so you got some young boys back home who might be looking like they got a chance to step in this, to the light somewhere. It's hard to say, only because I've been here so long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. getting uh, you know the longer we stay here, the more out of touch I'm getting with yeah. what's going on back yeah. home. I, I I think. I want to see that, you know. I, we talked about the grassroots stuff and how that's important. But, like, Boo Williams was important, is important, you know, that, that type of energy. And he has a strong connection with all those legendary coaches that we talked about. With that connectivity, that streamlining is important to make sure that our youth are getting what they deserve and what they need to, pro- to progress. So I want to see that balance. You know, I know we you talked about how that grassroots stuff is tough, but for the ones who don't want to stick around for the grassroots, let's find ways to, in this new era, because I think the pendulum is about to switch. You know how things always come back to what it was before. It's about to come back to the fact that we can't do those short contracts with two million, two years and 15 million and get us to the Elite Eight or whatever else. Like, somebody got to build a program. Right. Let that happen. Let that work through. So I want to see that go. Well, that's solid, though. Shout out to all the coaches out there. Yeah, because now that Coach Ryan is a full-time coach I'm and a entrepreneur. Biz- I'm a businessman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, love, I, love, I love the kids, though. I love, I love inspiring and talking. So, you know, coach leading is what I do. Thanks to you guys. That means you're a coach. Yeah, that yeah. means you're a coach. Yeah, shout out to all the coaches out there because there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that play some players, some parents, some administrations, some owners, some general managers have no idea what you do. Absolutely. And they'll they'll they won't understand it until later. You know, I talked about it before about, you know, that slow cooked marinated overnight, you know, that got that meal that got to bake for some time. Mom's got to wake up a little bit earlier to make the dumplings and the biscuits and things. That meal just tastes a little bit different than the microwave meal. That's right. right? Even the air fryer don't give you that type of love. And I know right now that's the hot commodity. <laughs> right. But, you know, it just takes some time. You never, you don't always see those results in the, in the present, but later on. But 
you know, I, I think that's a good place to put it. Um, we're going to give you guys this going into 2021. Oof. It's been a hell of a year, big dog. Like, you know, Uncle Murder and all them and, and Skills, they're going to do a, a, a year wrap up. You know, hmm. that's going to, that, they may have to do a whole album for 2020. For sure. But, for sure. but I, I, I let you talk about, you know, as we wrap up 2020, we had in the 2021. We just let you reflect on the year itself. Like, cause it, it's important now. I don't even know if you've had, Coach and I talk all the time, but I don't even know if we've really been able to sit and reflect in totality. We reflect about being here, but just reflect in how 2020 started and how we, you know, how we get to this point. We've been so busy that we've been in a whirlwind the whole time that, you know, Reflection has been something that's been uh, basically out of mind right now. But now that we have this moment to, to talk about some things, it's 2020 has really, really reemphasized the fact that you got to make sure you say to your family, your closest friends, that you're there for them. You guys can lean on each other. You care about one another and you stay in contact as much as possible. There's no excuse nowadays. You know, there's there's too many lines of communication that we can at least pop in once a week, whether virtually, in person or whatever, and just say, what's up? And we need to start doing that. And so that is one thing in 2020 that's made me realize that, you know, I need to do a better job of staying in communication with the people I care about. Yeah. That's absolutely um, something that I've been practicing as well. I think for me too, um, being in a different space, right? Like Coach and I are 20 years apart, almost give or take two years or so, over or under, whoever, depending on who you're asking. <laughs> um, but it's it's so much about this space in my life that I'm always waking up sometimes and I'm like, man, I can't believe I'm here, right? In this place in the middle, I, I spent a pandemic, one of the most um, high driven emotional times in human history. Um, I spent it away from my family, my friends, my comfort zone, everything, sacrificing some things. And in the, in the midst of all those times and all those moments, um, I never really felt panicked. Or felt like, you know, there was no way out or there was, I don't know, I don't know what it was, but it was a common feeling why I could see people around were like, you know, scrambling and going to a different place. Because for me, <clears throat> being here, coach, how we got here, and I'm not crying over here, but he's choking up. Choking <laughs> I've, been, up. <laughs> I've been screaming at kids all week, so it sounds crazy. But for me to be here, you know, straight out of grad school. I was home. I was like six months, four months after grad school. Didn't even stay home and go from Harrisonburg, Virginia, right to Dubai, right? Like right at my first real job. Like I was trying to go to LA and do some things and just to leave there and then come here and, you know, have the ups and downs and the trials that we had with business. And then as soon as we thought we were figuring it out, you know, pandemic hit. And now we have to focus on just us as humans and it's a different space there and meeting different people. It's just been a, it's just been about a moment of, um, appreciating where you are and, and, um, taking the time to be present during your opportunity. And then people talk about productivity, 
And I know that was a big thing during COVID where people had to like feel like they were doing something. And that productivity looks different. Sometimes you just sitting down, relaxing, taking a deep breath, is you being productive for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and like having to learn that, like that pushed me to a different space and different calming, you know? And I think going into 2021, we're equipped with new weapons, you know, new tools that push us in there. And I'm thankful for having you as an anchor for that. You know, so I appreciate that because we over here, it was just us two. Yeah, <laughs> it was right. just okay. us two. Like, hey, it's, a, it's a different fire for sure. You know, so we had in the 2021 with uh, new relationships, new insight, new energy. We're thankful for it. You know, new creativity, and then that inspires us for even more. So, um, thank you guys for tuning in and listening. There's so much more to come, um, Coach. You got any last? You know, one-liners so your, you know, your typical coach wrap-up? Two quick things. Um, the first thing is, are we not going to address what happened in California ball today? No, nah, no, nah, we, we, we can't talk about that. We can't I'm talk just, about that. okay, but, okay. Because well, it's holiday pack. Holiday okay, pack. Okay. Holiday, it's holiday I got pack. you. I got you. Pack. I just want to make sure that we don't holiday leave pack. 2020 holiday and pack. discuss this. You know, see, look, this this another thing. To the OGs don't understand about how to, uh, you know, Curate the content and then, you know, let it sit and put it out in the right moment. We know something just happened and he wanted to try. It's coming. Yeah, because I know you, it's you're already up. over it. It's already up, man. We'll talk uh, about right, it. Okay, I'm, I'm just saying. You know, in due time, in due time. I'm just making sure we don't skip it. No, it's coming, it's coming. But what I, what I want to talk about is just real quick. We discussed earlier about being a professional athlete. Don't worry about that. Let's worry, let's focus on being a professional person. Because we talk about being a professional athlete, that's a very small percentage of people in the world. But being a professional person is something that we all can strive to be. And that's what we want to do each day. Me personally, I'm content with waking up each day and knowing that the day before, I was trying to be the absolute best person I could be. Whether it be in my work life, personal life, or whatever encountering somebody new i just want to make sure that when someone encounters me that they walk away and say that is a very nice person sincere person and that's a person that i wouldn't mind having a conversation with later on in the future and so once we start to do that everybody i think the world would be a better place i think you individually be a better space yeah absolutely i agree too for me i'm i'm gonna leave this here um I think it's fitting for the time. It's the things that we go through that shape who we are. Um, it's it's a it's about how we decide to react to them that define the way the rest of our life is going to go. Some things we can't control. Some things just are what they are. You know, some people take them as a badge of honor. You know, they're like Look, this is this is part of me, but it doesn't define me, and they take it to a different space. Some people decide to soak in that moment, but the things we go through, you know, push us to places where we're supposed to be. Um, you decide, you make the definition of what your life is going to look like going forward. So don't let your situation or what you couldn't control define the person that you're going to be or the place that you're going to take in your life. So um, happy new year, early new year. 
Um, Godspeed heading into 2021. We'll meet y'all on the other side. And for the year, that's bridging the gap. Tune in.